A quick warning: these episodes contain explicit content on death and suicide. Don't push yourself to listen to it if you're not ready. Pause here and take a break now. You're listening from the Wolf Towers. I'm your host, Jasmine. What does death mean to you? Evilness, the worst nightmare, or relief? I like to answer this question with a symbol, not a full stop, either an exclamation mark. I'm more to a question mark. We all know that death can come at any time, anywhere in your life. No one can escape from death. My closest experience to death was when I tried to end my life in my dorm last year in Aussie. I felt a weird sense of tranquility that I couldn't find elsewhere before I really tried to execute on myself. It made me scared, so I asked myself, "Do I really have to do this?" On this episode, we reflect on life and death. Pasunun is now an embalmer technician in a dissection laboratory at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. He used to study applied arts in his undergrad and worked in funeral business before. He is the founder of the two popular Facebook pages, Life and Death Education, and led a share with a total of over forty thousand followers. In his advocacy, he initiated Edelweiss movement back in 2016 when Hong Kong hit a record high of student suicide. So let's hear more from him. You first came from an artistic background. You study applied arts in your undergrad, and then now you're working in a medical school. So, can you tell us more about like what what is the connection between the two? Um, having an artistic background it has taught me two things. First, we pay attention to a subject from its birth to development, changes, and conclusion. Secondly. We question if we can use other formats to present the subject. I find my personal attachment to mental health issues, or broadly speaking, the cultural stuff. Now I'm employed by the Chinese University of Hong Kong as an embalmer. It is a work to preserve human remains. In the medical school, I'm not just a technician, but also the university gives me capacity to promote body donation program after death, which it relates to a lot of life and death education. Because um, I knew that you, as an embalmer, you like you have a lot of experiences in in seeing a lot of、uh, cadavers. And normally, to Hong Kong people, it feels like it's a taboo to face the dead bodies. So, do you have any personal attachment to to this kind of work? Well, my family runs a funeral business. It gave me a chance to understand more on embalming. It also involves communicating with the family of the deceased. 
Arts inspire me with a design thinking mindset to wonder how I can help these people apart from social workers. My job back then was to make sure to keep the cadaver intact or sometimes for repairing. Especially for that, there were a lot of time for me to talk with the family. For example, if a person have a car accident or he or she commits suicide, their faces may be disformed. In this case, I had to approach the family to seek the portraits of the deceased in good health to guide my work, as well as to see if they have any special requests. Through these conversations, you can tell the family has expectations and grieving responses. I came across with over thousands of ways to die in my funeral work, ranging from centenarians to miscarried babies. Life is like a lottery. I also search for my family and friends who've passed away. These personal experiences, particularly with the special bonding you build up with them when they were alive, provoked me to reflect more on life. Not everyone thinks deeply about life, even for those who died might not be aware of. For me, cases of sudden death usually gave me a stronger message on life. After all, death is like a mirror. All of us have to die. Um, that's a very comprehensive personal story. So may I ask if you have any religious background? I'm a Christian and I voluntarily help shepherding in my church, providing services to teens and the family of the deceased. For those who don't know, in a Christian world, Shepherding is a God-given responsibility for pastors to use their individual influences, interpretations of the Bible within a group so as to achieve a common goal. In this process, I'm learning to become their friends. This background also cultivates my interest in focusing on mental health issues, counseling and life and death education. I first knew you on Facebook because of your two Facebook pages, which are the Life and Death Education and Let Us Share. I can see an impressive amount of followers, like the Life and Death ad is over 33,000 followers, and Let Us Share is like 8,000 followers. So I was really impressed. And can you tell us about why would you have that inspiration? What motivates you to, to manage those Facebook pages? Well, I don't consider myself that I'm very specialized in the things that I do, but my experience in work and study brushes my skills of how to brand the stuff I want to stay in the package. I think that's my talent. My Facebook pages act like an iPhone. The millennials may think that iPhones are very common, but back in 10 years ago, it was a cross-century invention. iPhones were only for calls before, but then it evolved into becoming a microcomputer that contains various user-friendly apps. You can listen to music like an iPod or use different apps for facilitating communication. All these functions, they may not be the best, but at least can be found within an iPhone. My pages devoting to life and death education and mental health issues also follow this principle. How can I make this information down to earth? How can normal people, or even people from different backgrounds, digest it? Because ultimately, we share with a similar life experience. Not everyone can access to professional help. So I hope my pages can make an impact on people by enriching them some knowledge and in turn help the people around them. It's a job of public education. That's why you can see my pages are trying to package the info into simpler or even more entertaining to make it more unforgettable. I cannot just be the sole person who spreads the message. I need to rely on others as well to pass it to a wider audience. So do you think that uh, there is enough support for the family and friends 
of the deceased in society. Um, to my knowledge, there is an intention to support the deceased family and friends in society. But I still find the ways aren't good enough. A lot of people care about this matter. There are organizations supporting them, and even the government provides funding for them. But most of them have a strong will but weak in power. This generation faces new problems compared to the previous ones. Society evolves so fast, but we are still keeping the old emotional support way. Do the existing services really work on people today? You don't have to adopt a top-down approach like telling you what to do to support them. You just have to help them clear the obstacles ahead. Or when they are climbing the mountains, you can keep away from them instead of stabbing them with words or pushing them off a cliff. If you don't know what to do or talk, the best way to help them is to don't do anything and don't talk. Let the ones who know do the work. Uh, does Hong Kong actually provide any life and death education? Um, the education we give to children is goal-oriented and materialistic. Often the case is we ignore to teach our kids about emotional management, like how to support yourself at difficult times. Not, not to mention the important lessons gained from the experience. But when they face struggles or failures, how should they be able to overcome them? Just like losing somebody, it means that this is a departure of the relationship between the deceased and you. We rarely teach them to be prepared for that from the first day of school. Even if we have, Hong Kong's education system trains teachers to teach children based on books. But stepping out from it, you know that emotional management is related to personal experience. Teaching this from a book is to generalize and standardize how they feel in a calculated way. Personal experience stresses ideas and values, and we all know that you cannot measure them. Your own story are inspiring because everyone has differences to tell. Say, I lost somebody, but I can't simply tell you, I really understand your feeling. But I can share you with my experience of how I survived. At the same time, we need to think that, is it suitable to say, if I can walk over from it, you can do the same? Back in three years ago, there, there, there was a wave of student suicides in Hong Kong. So um, there were a lot of news coverage about them. How do you feel the local reports on these suicide cases? Mm, news outlets have different presentations of the accidents. The journalistic writing then wasn't appropriate at all. Say, they used a lot of photos and words to let readers visualize the scenes in the reports. Some of them had a speculative element in order to attract readers. Then rest the social responsibility. I felt very sad when I saw a lot of students ending their lives. People generally feel powerless because they don't know how to help them. The tide of student suicides, for sure, links to our education system, and that subsequently leads to a lot of family problems. And I know that on the, on your Facebook pages, you advocated a movement three years ago that was like the Adelweiss movement. So can you tell us uh, what it is about and why would you come up with this idea? There was a freshman who ended her life in the medical school I'm working in. I remember that's a Friday. And immediately after it, there were already news reports about her. We didn't receive a lot of info from the news at the first stage, 
but because that I'm friends with a lot of uni students on Facebook, a flood of info and discussion appeared online. Everyone was guessing who was the person and they were afraid if they knew her personally. Next day, on Saturday, the news verified the identity of the person and reported her family background together with an investigative story on why she died. On Facebook, students started to express their negative emotions. Some of them were shock, anger and devastation. Then I began to think, then I began to think, when these students returned to school on Monday, how would they cope with it? As the info accumulated and rolled like a snowball, what happened to them on Monday? Another question I raised was that, for those who didn't comment online yet with the post, how should we help them? A student's death meant the pressure had passed her limit. It's a reminder for us, because there are a lot of students struggling too. We needed to help them find a way to release their emotions for both the people who grieved and were struggling. So I decided to set a booth outside the dissection lab in the medical school. I suggested them to go there to mourn just like going to a funeral. There was a board for them to leave the, their messages and gifts. Everyone could see what others did, and I believe this has a strong grievances from different angles influenced by the peers' work than Facebook. Would they just randomly explode their emotions on the board? No. All of the messages and gifts were later sent back to the girl's family and they were cremated with a body. People understood that their messages eventually would be passed to her directly. I was trying to make this experience as a life lesson for them, to remember the dead. I started the Edelweiss movement. You can pin it on your clothes, bags or even wallets. This signage embodies that you care about the students who ended their lives. In old Chinese culture, when a family member died, you'd wear an Edelweiss with you. Even in this situation, the deceased were the students, not your blood relatives. But still, you treated them just like your family. The suicides were an issue to all of us as part of the family. We also wanted to remind the people that others out there who are still alive might be undergoing the same thing as well. You don't want to have the same sad news again, so you felt the responsibility. The movement was later extended to other faculties, unis, high schools and community centers. Nobody knew if it worked, but we tried to make it happen. If you ask me if the movement is the best way for releasing the emotions or not, I'd say no, but at least I tried and my effort could inspire others to think new ways. So my last question is, can you, can you describe death in a word? Death is a reminder. If you never die, you didn't have to rush to do the things you want. You could chill out endlessly. At the end, you did nothing in your life, and there is no meaning in it. You can't tell when you will die. Death, as a reminder, alerts you to do the things you want now or rearrange your priorities, or it's a reminder to reflect on whether the stuff you do is really what you want or suitable to you. Your life matters not only yourself, but also the people around you. It's a good thing you fear death. If you don't, you'll never appreciate your life. If you have been affected by anything we talked about, please call the Samaritans at 2896 That's a Hong Kong number. And you can also go to their website at samaritans.org or just talk to your friends, family or doctors. Trust me, they're always there for you.
From the Wallflowers is a weekly podcast about Hong Kong-based mental health stories produced by myself, Jasmine Lowe. Credits to Pastor Ng and to El Gatillo for his voiceover. Till next time.